never forget why you are the church. I tell you what, if you don't know him, this morning's a good time to get to know him, amen? (laughs) And maybe you know him and you've fallen away from him a little bit. By the way, God never falls away from us. We only fall away from him. That's what makes him so good as a good father. But today I have a burden. Just like last week, I've had it all week. We live in a time and day of extremes. Would you, would you agree with me on that? We live in a time of extreme, polar opposites, depending on what side you take. Everyone has a side they are on, right, left, denominational perspective, lifestyle choices, all create a polarizing environment. And I want you to know something. You, you say, well, that's not the church's fault. Yes, it is. It is our fault. And you say, well, how is it our fault? Because we have blurred the line so often that people that do not know Jesus base their life on truth that is not truth. So when you see a society where wrong is right and right is wrong, that's because when us, the church, compromised on what was right, what do you think a lost person is going to do? What do you think a lost world, a lost culture, a lost society is going to do. Well, we live in a lost world full of lost people, and let me just tell you something. They are acting lost. That's what they do. But in the church, however, somehow everything everything changes. See, we'll take hard stances. We'll take sides outside of the church. But in our modern-day church scene, we often don't make a fuss about much. We, We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to step on anybody's toes. We want to make sure the gospel is such a gospel that anybody can receive it. And to keep them, we preach a gospel that they can stay just like they are and still love Jesus like the God's word says. So let me hear something. That is not possible. When God saves you, he saves all of you. When God saves you, the Bible says that he makes you a new creation. You are now uh, divine, you are heirs and partakers in the divine nature of God. The Holy Spirit of the living God dwells within you and I. We can't be like we were. But we don't have a solid conviction on God's word. Now, I'm not listening. There are exceptions. Our, our, Our doctrine is fluid. We have the motto, if they have good intentions, that's all that matters. In the world, we take stands, we take sides, we react to situations decisively. We'll get passionate about politics. We'll get passionate about about city, city politics and small town politics. We'll get passionate about the things that we want, the things that we feel are important. But when it's Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, all of a sudden, things kind of get gray and blurred. Can I tell you something? Things are not gray and things are not blurred. But there are exceptions again, but overall, the modern church culture is more about culture than Christ. Today, I would like to make a bold statement. And this will offend many, but I hope at least it will convict a few. Amen? But this is the statement that I'm going to make. God demands that we choose a side. God demands that we choose a side. 
No, preacher, not my God. See, my God is love, and my God welcomes everyone no matter what. My God would never tell someone who to love. My God would never tell someone how to live. My God would never do these things. That Your God is a false God. See, God does love the whosoever, but to know God, you must be born again through Jesus, the only way to the Father. And to reject God is to be against God. Matthew 12, 30 says this, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. God demands we choose a side. That is the truth. So let's look at why we see so much unwillingness to make a decisive stand for the Lord. Why is it so difficult for people to, that claim to be God's people to truly live completely and wholly for the Lord? Well, there are two roads that this world offers. I'm going to look in Matthew chapter 7, and this is what it says. In Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, it says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. If you want a title, and and this title is very specific, okay? You can go ahead and put the title up. Very specific. If you're writing notes, do not miss part of this title. Good people on the wrong road. But I want you to make sure you put in those parentheses or those quotation marks. Sorry, I was homeschooled. <laughs> Good people on the wrong road. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Well, God, I feel your power, not in a way that glorifies myself, but God, I believe you're going to be glorified today. God, you're going to be magnified today. Lord, the house may not be full. But the people that are here are supposed to be here. And we thank you for that. So, Lord, I pray that you work. God, I'm going to do my part. I put the study in. I put the prayer in. I put the tears in. God, now it's time for you to shine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good people on the wrong road. In our culture, the term good can be used in many ways. We use good all the time, right? In society, we all know someone who, who we would deem a good person, right? A good person. The elderly lady next door, oh, she's a good person. Uh, the providing father of a family, he is a good man. The, the good cop, the good firefighter, the good teacher. All these things, people that other people see as being uh, solid, good people. I want to let you know something. That is a worldly perspective of the concept of good. I want you to realize something. There's a lot of worldly good people that are not good in God's eyes. Why? Because there's none righteous, no, not one, aside from the Lord. There are many good people going down this broad way, this road to destruction. This road is so wide, however, and it's so broad that it leads many uh, to many streets for illustrative purposes. God put it on my heart to do it this way because I believe that somebody, everybody can either relate to being living on one of these streets, living one of these lifestyles, or maybe you are on the street today living such lifestyle. All these streets, just like the main road we are speaking of, lead to the same place, destruction. By the way, the Bible is not uh, ashamed of speaking the truth. That means hell. 
A lot of people think, well, maybe I'll go to purgatory. Maybe I'll go to, maybe I'll get a second chance. Maybe when I get to judgment, uh, there'll be a big old uh, uh, balancing act. And, 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 and man, my neighbor said I was good. My spouse said I was a good person. My coworkers, my boss said I was a good person. So, so surely God thinks I'm a good person. Listen, there's none righteous, no, not one. As a matter of fact, though, God loves you so much. He knew how wicked you were. He knew how sinful I was. He knew how condemned already, how lost, how hopeless we were. He loved us so much. He knew that we weren't good, so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to be risen again three days, defeating death, hell, and the grave, not so we can just be good in the worldly eyes, but we can be righteous and holy and made worthy through Jesus Christ. That is what is the goal. But see, this road doesn't lead to that. This road leads to destruction. So we're going to talk about what, people, what are people following on this road? Well, you have one of the most popular. If you go down this broad path, you'll find to the left, you'll find Money Street. People are living on Money Street. Greed, possessions, these things will steal a person's heart. How many people are fueled by greed, motivated by the next dollar to be made, pursuing what the world calls success, that is having a bunch of money, and a bunch of things. Can I tell you some of the most tired, some of the most miserable, some of the most, some of the most absolutely unhappy people that I know are those that are pursuing riches in this life. Now you say, well, our rich is bad. No, 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 no. Listen, it's not bad to be wealthy. The world is infatuated by money, however. The world is also unsatisfied by its pursuit. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that, uh, that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Listen, if you're living on money street, you're never going to be satisfied. Let me tell you something. I, I, I'm blessed. My family is blessed. Y'all bless me. I'm, I remember when I first started here at Cedar Grove Baptist Church, they gave me interim money because I was still in college and working another job and all these things. And, and I'll never forget uh, uh, thinking, man, that was a whole lot of money. I'm talking like I was like 21 years old. They were writing me a check. I was on salary, you know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking like, man, I'm on top of the stinking world, dude. This is great. Please don't cut my pay to that, okay, because I don't know if I can make it now. But either way, then as time goes by, I get more blessed and more blessed. But what I found is this. And, and listen, I, I think that we need to stop making, talking about money in a biblical and God-glorifying way in the church kind of taboo. It's not. Listen, hey, hey, I, I'll tell you this. Ooh, man, I could tell you so many things. I make more money now than I ever have. And I tell you what, if I'm not careful, it'll consume me. I want to share something with you. Can I share something with you? I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to do anything. But I was, as a matter of fact, Jay knows what I'm talking about here. I was, I was, uh, I was uh, uh, bragging, uh, not bragging. I was bragging on the Lord. And, 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 and this, this, you'll kind of put the, the dots together here, connect them. But I was just, you know, you, does anyone do a budget on, on the end of the month or the beginning of the month? Okay, that might be your problem. You know what I'm saying? You need to get a budget. Okay? All right, like I said, it's okay to talk about money in the church. But listen, hey, and here's the thing. Hey, some people have, some people don't, but God is the same God. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful thing? But I'll tell you this. I was, I was, I was glorifying. I said, I, said, I said, Heather, you know what? I don't know how it works. I know math 
is, is finite. I know math doesn't change, but, man, God doesn't change either. I don't understand what's going on, but, man, we're blessed. You know, and, and so she said, well, what are you talking about? I said, we're just blessed. I don't, I mean, I'm pretty responsible. You know, I passed all these kind of math classes. I'm just letting you know God is blessing us. And then I, and then I try to explain it in worldly terms, but really I'll tell you what it is. It's faithfulness to him. He's faithful to us. Amen. So anyway, so I'm bragging, and, and then uh, I'm playing disc golf with Jay. That's my disc golf buddy over there. And, uh, and man, I, I, I get a six on a par three, okay? And, and what that does is that takes all the gratitude in my spirit completely away. And I get angry. I'm talking about I, I, air, I airballed the putt three times. And, I, and Jay, you ain't never seen me that mad, have you? I'm talking, and, I, and instantly I'm thinking I need to change the topic in my brain because if I don't, I'm going to lose my gratitude, man. And so look, so this is what I did. I said, Jay, let me just tell you how God has blessed me. And so I start glorifying God and bragging about God to Jay. And I tell you what, within an hour, God opened up an opportunity. Listen, God opened up an opportunity to test how grateful I was. I had an opportunity to help. And I want you to know something. Listen, I'm not bragging on myself because, because myself would have said no. I've been like, well, you know, you just had Christmas, this, this, this. But I'm telling you right now, hey. God is so good that when he gives you an opportunity to show off his goodness and to glorify him, hey, you better take it. You better take it. But people are living on money street. They're looking to money for satisfaction. They're looking for things for satisfaction. Is money bad or evil? No. But the love of it is. Greed is bad. Greed is evil. And so many worship at the altar of money. This is a false God, and it will lead to destruction. Now, you go down a little ways on this, on this broad path and broad road, and you will find Lust Street. Good people on the wrong road, they'll, they'll be living on Lust Street. Look at 1 John 2.16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Notice it says lust a whole lot. Now, now, lust is simply sinful desire, ungodly passion. Many dwell on this street. Just look at the TV. Look at social media. Look at marketing. The marketing companies know what people desire, and they use this knowledge to get more. You say, why in the world is it that every time you turn on the TV, a commercial comes on, and it's a, it's a hamburger, if you remember back in the day a few years ago, it's a hamburger commercial, but yet there's a half-dressed person eating the hamburger, and, that, and that's going to make someone want a Hardy's burger. Why? Because that is what people want. People that live on Lust Street, they have that desire. They have that passion, and that's what they, that's what they live for. You're talking about unsatisfied. You live it on Lust Street, you will never be satisfied. What used to be confined to the privacy of a bedroom, confined to the darkness of a club, language that used to be frowned upon and rebuked is now common. Why? Why? How has this happened? People have made their life about their lust, about their desires, about their ungodly passions. If it feels good, if it looks good, the world has told us, then it is good. We no longer get shocked at someone going out on their marriage. We no longer get shocked when we hear about somebody and their addictions. We no longer get shocked. Why? Because that's just part of life. Can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be. Listen to me. It does not have to be. I want you to know I don't care what the addiction is. 
I don't care if it includes lust. I don't care if it's smoking. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care whatever it is. Listen, hey, God did not design us and create us to be under the power of anything except him. That's another reason why Jesus came, because we were under the authority and the power of our sin, but Jesus broke those chains, and now he is my master. Amen? So listen, whatever, whatever, whatever you are lusting after, understand it will never satisfy. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, the next one. Uh, the next one on the slide, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now listen, do not, do not miss this part right here. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, preacher, it doesn't really mean that. That's not, that's, come on now, preacher. You're telling me that I can't do these things and go to heaven? Well, hold on now. Look at this next slide right here. That word do does not just mean fall into it every now and again. It does not just mean stumble. That word do means to, to act and to practice. This means an active practicing of these things. The truth of the matter is this. If your life can be defined by lust, if your life can be defined by sin and pursuing sin and a lifestyle that is contrary to God's word, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. A born-again believer cannot sin for long. You say, well, how long is not too long? I'm telling you right now, I want to be so close to the Lord, I want it to be a couple seconds. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to sin and then three days later think, man, I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to sin and think, man, a week later that I, man, well, I feel bad about it. I, I, want to, I don't want to be able to steal a Jolly Rancher from a gas station and not be convicted by the Holy Ghost. You say, why is that so important? Because if you do these things that we just named, you're not going to heaven. You don't know Jesus. You've not been saved. You say, well, Preacher, what about, what about my husband? He has vices. He, uh, he needs help, and he needs this, and he's, he's that. Well, first off, he needs Jesus. Amen. Well, what about my wife? Well, first off, she needs Jesus. What about my child who's wayward, and he, he's living according to the lust of the world, and, and, he, and he's going after all, he's pursuing it. But, but man, you know, he, he went down an aisle one time, and he said a prayer, and they dunked him in some water, and he was fine. But, but there's never been an actual change, a transformation. I'm telling you right now, you better pray for the salvation of your child. We have got to stop justifying lostness. And, and hear me, I used to think all the time, well, preachers that preach like this, they're confusing. You know what's funny about that? The preacher may be confused and the Holy Spirit isn't. The Holy Spirit will discern what is right and wrong. The Holy Spirit will convict you and draw you to Christ for salvation or convict you to repent of your sin as a believer. The Holy Spirit is not here to confuse you. He is to cause clarity in your life. Well, preacher, I believe that everyone deserves to be happy. Speaking on Lust Street, you know, so many times when I have a, and not every time, but I have had the unfortunate privilege and honor to, to at least help couples and help people that are going through some stuff in their marriage. And, I'm, and, I, and I'll never forget when I first 
uh, came here, it seemed like God just threw me into that. I had been married for like a year or two years. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, so everything I'm going to say is just straight up your word because I don't know what else I can say. You know what I'm saying? But I tell you this, so often, whatever the lust is in your life, this is what they say. Well, don't, don't you think God would want me to be happy? God created me for happiness, did he not? I have an answer for that. He didn't. God may care about your happiness, but God would rather you be, have joy. But God desires us to be holy, not happy. And so when we live on Lust Street, what happens is, is we may be happy in our flesh, but we're not living in holiness as he is holy. Therefore, the people that worship these desires, they worship a false God that will lead to destruction. Is everybody with me this morning? If you go down a little ways and you go to the right, you'll find Entertainment Street. Entertainment Street. We love entertainment. Who loves entertainment? Listen, you got a pastor. I love entertainment. I love having a good time. I love a good TV show. I love a good movie. Right? I love that stuff. But on a daily basis, hundreds of thousands all over gather and take a seat to be entertained, whether it be a sport event, whether it be a concert. Can I just say this and put this on air right here? I do not understand the infatuation with Taylor Swift. I don't get it. I don't get it. And that's not, listen, that's not what I was looking for. That was pretty cool, but I, I wasn't looking for that. But I'm, I'm serious. You say, well, you don't think she can sing? Not really. That's just an opinion that I have, though. But here's the thing. You got to understand something. You better be careful. You better be careful. You think, oh, well, they're, they're just teenagers. Well, first off, they're not all just teenagers. You got some grown folk acting dumb. Okay? I read somewhere where some of them wore diapers so they didn't have to leave their seats. So they're like, oh, I have to go to the restroom. Oh, never mind. Next song. What? Absolutely not. That is disgusting. If you are beside me at a concert, which I don't know why I would be at a Taylor Swift concert, but if I find out outside of something going on, you know, medically, okay, I'm not going to try to shame you for a medical issue, but if you're just, a, just okay, and I, and I see a little bit of padding right here, and it looks like a diaper. I'm telling you right now. now I, listen, I'm not trying to point. Maybe, maybe you have to do that. But if it's just a choice so you don't have to go to the bathroom because you don't want to miss the entertainment, I'm telling you right now, if I drove, you better call an Uber because you're not coming home. It's not happening. You're, you're not getting a ride. But Entertainment Street, seriously. But you say, oh, they're just teenagers. They're just this. They're just that. They're, it's okay. No, if you actually watch the infatuation, it's worship. I'm not trying to make it serious, but it is serious. I mean, you're talking about, and, I, and it's not just Taylor Swift. It's, you, can put, you can put a ball team in here. You can put another singer. You can put it, whatever it is. But it is absolute worship. They won't tithe in a church. But they'll spend hundreds, if not thousands, to watch a game or concert enthusiastically. They won't live, they they won't like when the preacher preaches too long, but man, they'll hope for an overtime game. They won't ever get excited about Jesus, but they'll act a fool when a ball gets uh, gets put 100 yards to the other side or a mediocre singer dances half naked on stage. Oh, they'll act a fool for that. Why? Because that's what they love. They live on Entertainment Street. They love the entertainment. You better be careful about it. I am not against sports or music or entertainment. I enjoy all of them to some extent. 
but be careful what you love. Look at 1 John chapter 2. It says this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we continue, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, we just read this, and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17 says, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Parents will bring their poor children hand in hand down this entertainment street, this recreational pursuit, this pursuit of of doing something or, or being somebody. Well, it's in season, so that's just the way it is. I get it. I understand the system. Believe it or not, I used to play a little bit of AAU. You know what I'm saying? Tennessee, the Middle Tennessee Trojans. Oh, Billy Cartmel, he's, he's passed on now. I didn't play too much, but I do remember my coach taking out his gum, getting mad, thrown on the ground, screaming at us, and then picking that gum back up, putting in his mouth, and going out back his way. And I was thinking, man, that dude was crazy. You know, in the practice squad on the side. But anyway, listen, I get the system. I understand how it is. But don't expect your child to get it. You missed that one. As adults, we can get the system. We may be able to decipher, well, you know what, it's in season, it's out of season, it's this. But be careful because your child will not be able to decipher like you can. They're going to grow up thinking, when it's ball time, it's ball time. When it's Jesus time, it's Jesus time. They're going to grow up thinking, oh, well, when it's time to do this, when we have this going on, hey, Jesus at the back burner. They're not going to grow up being able to discern it like you think they will. They'll grow up and they'll put themselves right in the midst of this broad path. People on entertainment and worship or entertainment street, they worship a false god and it leads to hell. Now, if you go on down a little bit, you'll take a left, you'll find Lazy Street. You say, laziness? You know, being a sluggard is a sin. You realize that. You do realize that being lazy is a sin. The parable of the talents we preached on, I preached on last week. Remember, the man, he was going away to a journey, and so he was going to give his servants. He had three servants. He gave one five talents, he gave another two talents, and he gave the third uh, servant one talent. This was a heavy investment to these servants. Evidently, these servants knew exactly what to do because the first two went straight to work, and they made that five another five. They made that two another two. But that one servant, what they did with their talent is they went and they hid it and they dug a hole and they put it in the hole and they buried that talent. In other words, they didn't want to put in the extra work. In other words, they didn't want to do what the other two servants did. They were lazy. As a matter of fact, look at the third servant. It says this, his Lord answered and said unto him, after he told his Lord what he did, thou wicked and slothful servant. You say, well, what is, where does laziness get you? Spiritually, where, where, if, you're, if you're too lazy to be born again, if you're too lazy to, to truly acknowledge your sin and to truly acknowledge your need for, for a Savior, look, look, look what happened to this third servant. Matthew 25, verse 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This world is filled with people who refuse to do anything but nothing. Can that be a false god? Absolutely it can be. 
And to worship this false god will lead where? To destruction. Now you go a little further and you will find Fame Street. Society longs for fame and popularity and influence and reach. This is one that is very, uh, this is one is, is very easy for even preachers to get into. Let me be transparent with you. I got a Facebook. No one's shocked? Oh, you shouldn't be because I got a lot of friends. Anyway, no. So I, 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 don't, I didn't do Facebook. The only time I did Facebook was for, to be an admin on the church website and stuff like that. But I was like, you know what? It's, it's time to get a Facebook to start, you know, putting some stuff out there and, you know, possibly trying to, you know, get, get well, more known and, and grow, grow Cedar Grove and just, you know, be, be, be available in that way as well. Well, let me just tell you something, how easy it is to want um, uh, uh, many friends. As anyone, does anyone know what a K is on Facebook? That means, you, well, I know you do, Kenny. You need to tell your friends to follow me. But anyway, it, it, it means that you have over 1,000 friends on Facebook. So they put one and then a K. I never cared about the alphabet so much in my life. Listen, I, I, I'm just being transparent with you, man. But I'm talking about if you, if you got one mutual friend from me, I got a dude from Uganda. Everyone's like, he's probably not from Uganda. I'm like, he better be from Uganda, you know what I'm saying? It's, but listen, hey, I've got all these friends, and I, I, have, I have found myself getting consumed with growing that thing, with growing that platform. And it's been fun. It's been interesting. It's been, it's been a challenge. But if I'm not careful, it could very well distract me from doing what I need to be doing anyway. Life is not about how many friends you have. Yes, I, I, I agree. You know, hey, the, more, the more people that, that see the gospel, the more people that hear the word, the better. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. But we got to be careful not to make it a God in our life. But society longs for it. These do not have to be bad things, but how many famous people do you know that actually glorify God with their fame? I'm not talking. And you know what's so funny to me? Man, we will hear an athlete give glory to the Lord. Now, I'm talking about like at a, at a, a reward and a reward. Now, I'm not, listen, I truly believe there are good, godly, God-fearing athletes that, that, that play on a high level. And thank God for them. But I'm talking about all these regulars that get up and they say, I just want to thank my, I just want to thank God for what he has done for me. But yet there's absolutely no fruit to tell anybody they actually truly love Jesus. But you know what we do as a church? Man, they just mentioned Jesus. Oh, my goodness. You know what that does for the world? Gives them an excuse to have a, a casual relationship that is no relationship. A life for Christ is one that will allow God to increase even if it means that we decrease. God doesn't need you famous to use you, church. Did you know that? You ask most people in the Bible, they were not famous. You say, what about King David? Don't forget where he came from. What about Abraham? He was from a pagan nation. What about, what about Peter? He was a fisherman. What about Paul? Oh, he was famous. But he was famous in persecuting Christians. He was famous in, in having authority to go and imprison those that followed Christ. But you know what God did? Humbled him. <laughs> and guess what? Now, here, hear me. Now, this, this right here is good. It's not even my notes, but it, God put this in my heart. Think about it. The moment that he gave his life to Christ, he became very unfamous. As a matter of fact, even the disciples rejected him. Oh, this ain't real. 
this, this is not the real deal. There's, there's no way. You were, ju- you were just killing us. You were just persecuting us. You were, you were just imprisoning us. The moment he gave his life to Christ, that fame went away. But it was all in glorifying the Lord. But see, God doesn't need your famous to use you. As a matter of fact, the opposite is more accurate. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. We continue and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring not things that are. And verse 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. I have seen too many Christians, too many preachers choose fame over conviction. They glory in the flesh. They worship the false god of self, and it leads, church, listen, it leads to destruction. Church, there are many streets on this broad path. That's why so many are on it. But there's another path. And I want you to know something. I know you may think, well, I'm saved. This is not for me. Let, let, me, let me speak to you for a second. You can have access to the right map and still get and take the wrong road. In other words, you can have the correct directions. You, you can be saved, but still start going down the wrong path. So today, you say, well, I don't live on this street, but I, but I, have, I have made a visit to this street. I, I don't live on these streets, but I, ha- I have uh, uh, been a guest, and I've, I've gone to those that do live in the street, and I've partaken in what they do on that street. Today, it is very simple. Repent and get back on the straight and narrow. But there's another path. Now, next week, I, I, full, I had full intentions to go over both roads. But God had another, another plan. So we're going to go over the next path next week. But I do want to say this. There are no streets on this straight and narrow path. There, there are no turns. There are no alternate routes. The road may get bumpy and even treacherous, but this road leads to life. Few find it. Why? Why do so few find it? Because we are so comfortable on whatever street we live on. Our lives are built upon our desires, our passions, our lust. Destruction is the end. But what about life? You know how we were naming these streets. Well, I can't tell you this. This, this, this straight and narrow path has a name too, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through him. Church, this morning I want to ask you, what road are you on? Maybe you're a Christian and you're visiting a street on that broad path. I want you to know something. Come back home. Maybe you have a wayward child that's on, on one of those streets that we just talked about. Come back home. As a matter of fact, don't stop praying for him. Maybe you have a loved one or a friend or a coworker and is living on these streets. Do you know anyone on the wrong road? Maybe today <clears throat> you are here and you are going down that broad path, that wide gate. And you're thinking that it's all going to be okay and 
man, that street that you live on got some nice houses and they got all the things that you would ever want in this world. Every now and again, you feel that satisfaction of having enough money or satisfying your lust or, or having that entertainment or, or, or being famous, whatever it may be. But deep down, you know that you are absolutely unsatisfied and miserable. Why? Because you were not created to worship a false god. You were created to worship the God. And until you do, you will be unsatisfied. So the message today is very simple. Listen to me if you're lost. Listen. You say, what about this? What about that? Well, I'm so committed to this and I'm committed to that. Hear me. Hear me. It does not matter. It does not matter. You say, what will it do to my work? What will it do to my relationships? What will it do in my family? Hey, listen. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what road you're on. All that matters is are you on a broad path that leads to destruction or you're on a straight and narrow that leads to life. Do you know Jesus? Not about him, not of him, not heard stories about him, not have a favorite song that mentions his name, but do you know him? So my message is very simple. Enter ye in at the straight gate. That is the only answer. That is the only way. That is the only life that's worth living is the one lived for Christ.